Hi everyone. Welcome to Legal Mind Unwired, a dedicated segment of Peace Lab 2020 podcast for lawyers, law students, and anyone who's curious about lawyering. Legal Mind Unwired focuses on well-being among the legal profession. It provides a platform for solution-based discussions and advocates for pragmatic and effective approach to cultivating well-being for lawyers. I will be speaking to fellow lawyers who are committed to their own path of well-being and doing their bit to change the greater legal community. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to Peace Lab podcast and the Peace Lab conversation today. And I'm very excited today because I'm speaking to a friend who is actually tuning in from Geneva, Switzerland. And we're very lucky today to have my dear friend Dash, and she currently works as a legal officer at World Health Organization. Good morning Dash, how are you? Very well, thank you Elva. How are you? I'm good and thank you for actually getting up so early in Geneva. Um I know it's about evening time in Melbourne. Um what what's the time there in Geneva? It is just past 9 in the morning. Okay. <laughs> cold there already? Not super early. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, I need to be a bit more mindful next time when I um arrange a meeting. Yeah, but um thank you so much, you know, and uh, I know the last time we actually saw each other in person that was in January 2020 before you returned. Oh, you actually were visiting your family back in Melbourne again, is that correct? Right. I think it was actually just before Christmas. Yeah, or actually for the listener who didn't know, do you want to introduce yourself, you know, um whether where you're from and how come you end up in Geneva again? Okay, sure. Um so um gosh, where do I start? Well, I'm a proud Sydney sider. I say this knowing that you're a proud Melbourneian. I know. Um, <laughs> um and so I arrived in Geneva in the middle of 2019 um so just as summer was starting which is really the best time to arrive in Geneva it's just the most delightful place um so the the short story of how i arrived in Geneva really is um and you know this all too well over i mean my husband and i we've been doing long distance for quite some time i had been living in sydney and he had been posted to various different um deployments he works for the international committee of the red cross so he was in far 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 places and so the project um that we had for the last couple of years was to figure out how to bring our lives together yes um, and as it had done previously geneva presented us with an opportunity it's not it wasn't our first choice um but it seemed when we considered everything probably um probably the best choice yeah um, but you know it was it was um a challenge time for us when we were doing long distance and 
I think, you know, I was somewhat reticent to come back to Geneva um, for the second time for the reason that... Wait, this is not Dash's first time in Geneva? We will come back to this point. When I was thinking about this year, you know, because we're in the year of pandemic, you know, I thought, wow, Dash, because you now live in Geneva, but you also work as a legal officer for the World Health Organization. If I'm feeling stressed, you know, I would imagine for you, you'll be a different level. So going back to the question and you shared before, and I deliberately left that a big <laughs> suspension. So when you say the second time, actually the full story, we have to really rewire back to 2013. Is that right, Dash? Correct, golly. Oh my God. So 2013 is a very special year for me. And I would say, is that for you and Charlie as well, your husband? Um, I still remembered, I think, I don't, uh, I think we met at the cafe because we both, we found out we're doing the same course at the Graduate Institute. And you were from Sydney and uh, I was, you know, I'm from Melbourne. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I remember hitting it off straight away. I know. And I guess that was one of the most surprising thing. The course itself was a very, we had a very small group of us, but it was just so wonderful to meet someone also from the far, far, far away Australian land for me. So although there was a bit of rivalry between Sydney and Melbourne, of course. <laughs> and it's funny because when I um, think back about those times, we, um, you were the first person I met and uh, from the course and pretty much stuck together till right to the very end. I mean, we did our major project together as well. That's right. That's right. And we did our international economic law stream together and we worked very hard a few nights late night at the library as well and I guess that was a start you know if we have to connect the point for you your journey and did you ever envision you would actually return to Geneva and return to Geneva to work in the international organization again? Um, that's a good question I don't think we ever ruled it out um, it just wasn't um, top of the list for us because I think um, I felt like at the time that we had given Geneva the, in the in the first instance like um, a red hot go and um, anyone who's tried to get into the sector knows how challenging it can be um, to break into the sector and you know for both of us when we had arrived. It wasn't like we were fresh out of university um, and then hadn't had any sort of work experience. Um, we had worked for quite some years then and coming, arriving in Geneva, I think, you know, we really had to start again. We were both starting as interns in respective organisations. Um, and that was fine. I was quite happy to start again, but it was a challenge, real challenge, as you know, to try and really get some substantive paid <laughs> um, experience in this sector. Um, and I can't, I can't remember how many applications 
um, job applications I put through, how many people I met, how many, you know, networking things I did. Um, and it, it wasn't all um, doom and gloom in the beginning. I mean, I, I had some wonderful professional experiences here, but nothing stuck. Um, and it didn't provide sort of maybe the certainty that we were hoping for, um, particularly as we knew that, you know, my husband was going to go on these long-term missions. Um, and I wanted to be closer to home, like Geneva, it can be quite a transient place as well. And so I thought it was really important while um, he was on deployment, I couldn't follow him, which was also something that we entertained. Um, if I couldn't follow him well, then I would like to be back home around my family and around my friends. Um, and I guess in some ways I did give up um, when I returned to Sydney, the, the sort of the dream of working in the sector. Um, I went straight back into the financial services sector. Um, and I actually had a, I mean, I worked, so I worked for ANZ and to be a financial service at that particular time, I mean, it was great professional experience, so albeit quite difficult. Um, uh, but I intentionally chose to go back into that sector. Um, so yes, it did come as a bit of a surprise. And, you know, I, I sort of alluded to before that I was quite reticent to return to Geneva. And when we broached the idea with my mum, she said to me, listen, this is an opportunity to try Geneva again and try and, you know, see if he can break the sector again. Um, so she really encouraged me. She, in fact, she was probably the biggest cheerleader for both of us to return to Geneva, though she knew that it meant we'll be, you know, that much far away from her. Yeah. Um, so it was with her encouragement that we we returned but I was yeah I mean we had chats about this I think Elva and we you I don't know if you remember how sort of anxious I was really did I do because um I guess we both had um the first thing in Geneva I think you had a better luck than me much better luck than me and um and I felt it was very transient especially for anyone who's listening and who are especially for the young lawyers right now and contemplating for uh, were seeking any internship or jobs in the international development or international um, intergovernmental organization it is something to be very mindful of I guess um, I, I feel for me when I went to Geneva maybe I was very naive you know I thought oh my god I'm going to a leading grad school in the world to study you know international trade law and as you remember we were literally next door to the world um, trade organization um, however, for me, uh, it was very disappointing in the sense um, it was such a competitive market and the visa condition was very challenging for all yeah. of us when you don't have a Swiss passport, when you don't have EU passport. So that was becoming the biggest uh, um, um, obstacle. And also I can, you know, as you mentioned, all the jobs are actually on a contract. We have other friends who actually were very determined and resilient and stayed on. But you just from their personal story, I have a lot of respect for them because all their jobs are normally on short contracts. Is that correct? Um, um, Dad, oh you stayed on longer and you had some amazing opportunity, but they were quite short term even in the first time around. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's independent, right? So they are by nature um, short-term contracts and you do hear of so many friends here who just go from one, you know, short-term contract to another. And yeah, there's a great deal of uncertainty in all of that. Um, And yeah, I'm like you, I bow, um, I head to those friends of ours who to be so resilient and um, persevere with it. But I know it hasn't worked out for everyone. Um, and yeah, it, it's still very much the same. It's it's a lot of it's contract-based. You, you are very fortunate if you can land a full-time role, but they are few and far between. Yeah. So the second time around, I guess, again, you know, in your case, it was also tied a little bit with your husband's arrangement. So when you did decide, um, he returned first to Geneva. And then when you did decide to return to Geneva, um, there was also, again, a lot of uncertainty. And how do you resettle yourself back in? Oh, God, look, I think one of the things that we were... Um, one of the reasons why we were so lucky is that we actually um, found ourselves to have a pretty wide social network in Geneva. Um, a lot of people had returned. A lot of the people who had left previously um, had returned. They were also, you know, we we're all roughly the same. Geneva is a wonderful place to settle. Um, so they've come back from the field and decided to settle in Geneva and um, lots of friends found out that we were returning to Geneva so they would put us in contact with their friends and so having network available to us um, just was incredibly helpful and also because it was a second time around, we knew what to expect on a lot of things. You know, I knew I had to, the, the, the um, sort of provincial um, office that you have to go and line up to get your identity card, um, as it were. And I know that process is like, <laughs> it's, it's a time consuming, tedious process. Um, and thankfully also, uh, because we were transferring with my husband's work, a lot of that was facilitated through his work. So we didn't have to um, do all of that as well. Um, And we had some, I also had some really nice encounters. I remember going to the Swiss embassy in Bondi Junction to put in my application. And my application was so straightforward because it was attached to my husband's work. And of course, the ICRC is a Swiss institution, you know, yes, it's, it's an international organization of sorts, but it's also has a very Swiss character being founded in Geneva. Um, and so the lady was flicking through my application and um, asking me a few sort of questions. And I said, oh, actually my husband's already there at the minute. Um, and she's like, oh, that's nice. He's, you know, settling things down for you. And I said, oh, I have actually lived there before. And she's like, oh, it's your second home. How lovely you're returning to your second home. And I just thought, oh, that that made me, I don't know, feel a little bit better about things. Um, and I had a similar encounter when I arrived in Geneva at the airport. And the immigration official realized that I'm also moving on a more permanent basis. Geneva and he said you know he looked at my passport he did whatever he needed to 
you and he said welcome home oh, that's so <laughs> sweet yeah it's such a lovely because i was so anxious about moving back to geneva and all of that and what all of it entailed i think those little things from genevois you know being so welcoming um yeah it lifted my spirits of course yeah um then I I remember you returned to Geneva in summertime in 2019 and then um how long did it take you the second time around to find your current role uh, with the WHO um it took me so I took a few months off yeah um I had an interesting encounter with a um uh, a legal recruiter Geneva on the third day interesting is very much a euphemism for not a great experience um and so after that actually I was on the verge of tears after that and my husband said to me listen just take some time off enjoy the summer yeah we do a french course so i arrived at the end of may beginning of june so june july august september like six months to find something yeah um, so i started in november and i was in in fact it took me a little while to figure out what i wanted to do as well because again it felt like when you you were restarting in some respects and i was whether i had to start again as an intern or whether in fact i can start at a mid level you know equivalent to where i am um and then also what sector um what area all of those sorts of things so i did have some interesting discussions with um just people that i met through friends um and that was instructive um yeah all in all about 6 months right and um, so 2020 i'm sure you didn't expect 2020 with a global pandemic and for you to work in who plus just to live a life in 2020 as a normal human being um so my question to you is how has this 2020 been for you um during the pandemic in geneva and as a as a second time return to geneva <laughs> in the center of the pandemic I shouldn't be coughing when as soon as we start talking about the pandemic. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. Uh, look, it's um, it's been an interesting year, like it has been for everyone. Yeah. Um, it. I wouldn't say it's been our lives, but um, it's it's been an interesting ride. I think we've had to really try and go with the flow. Um, I think you know. I'm someone who likes to control a situation. I think a lot of us lawyers are a bit of a control freaks. Um and this was one of those situations where you just didn't have much control of your life because you just had to go with what was the world how the world was changing. Um it it would obviously um it all sort of started happening in the beginning of the year right at the end of last year and I was brought on to sort of support um a very very busy team um and of course that workload um you know multiplied tenfold as soon as um uh it started happening you know from a global perspective 
um, I know like the, the, some of the people in my team, I mean, they've been working at such an intensity right from the beginning of the year. Um, so how do you manage your own well-being? Like I would imagine for you, um, when when the workload is so intense and also the topic is not something light and the fluffy, right? Do you have something you can take in to look after your own well-being and your own even physical health? Because Europe was kind of also um, have a quite high rate of infection, infection rate as well. Yeah, it's a good question. I think because, you know, we, the world had a bit of a lag, you know, in terms of when we caught up with what was happening. So um, I think uh, when Geneva, the lockdown started being implemented here, it coincided, you know, right at the time the lockdowns were, were measures were being implemented in Australia. So, you know, two weeks before this, other, you know, we could not anticipate. Um, so, two weeks before the lockdown, we could not anticipate that the world would be as it was. Um, and it happened so quickly. We were skiing in um, the mat, you know. Right. Okay. Strange. Like, we, I was a bit nervous, you know, I'm someone who's naturally risk averse. Um, and working at an organization, you are, you know, incredibly attuned to all of the stuff that's happening. So I wasn't quite sure whether any of the things that we were doing were necessarily the, the right thing to do given the epidemiological situation at the time. Um, there was no particular instructions um, from the Swiss authorities anyway. So I remember we kind of, we kept to ourselves. We went, we did go with another couple um and um we went from skiing in 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 Zermatt two weeks later we were all in you know lockdown and we were working and it was just a bit of a it was so strange I think the way how quickly it happened yeah yeah I mean for me it was the same um I was in China actually when it happened during the Chinese New Year and even I had a one dinner with the family in the restaurant like for the Chinese New Year celebration two nights later the entire China went into lockdown and then as I left China coming back to Australia I thought wow I'm out of pandemic then the world is catching up and that was around late March at least in Melbourne I remembered um, where I work you know the corporate company we um, all the CBD offices in Melbourne we all um, asked to work from home remotely so the the entire city of Melbourne became a um, almost a ghost town you know and it was quite surreal to see because I can't imagine any other scenario when they're without a war in particular right in a peaceful time it's very hard to imagine you know a, a scenario like this yeah it was it was peculiar I mean, um we yeah like you said it went from you know a bustling sort of town or city to just like yeah it was eerie um, yeah. <laughs> so but, when, sorry yeah, and I was just going to say going back to your question about you know well-being and those sorts of questions how we sort of um lived our lives during the first I mean I think it really that we had a routine you know 
and it pretty much reflected what we did before which was you know get up early in the morning we'll have some sort of exercise routine um actually before that we would do a five minute meditation you'll be pleased to know elva um your your husband yeah yeah both of them oh wonderful i'm so pleased ash (laughs) Um, although you'll you'll not be so happy to know that we've sort of given up on that, um, but that's a nice story. <laughs> but the way we did it, yes, yeah, so we, we would start with the meditation in the morning. We had we did our sort of exercise routine. We had breakfast together, and then we would get straight into work. And of course, I mean, I wouldn't dress as if I was going into the office, but I would dress. I would put in some effort, you know, so it felt like I was starting my day um, and had a sort of a semblance of normalcy in that sense. Yeah. But you know, we, we both, I think, we knew how lucky we were. We're both gainfully employed. We were working on really interesting things. We didn't have other responsibilities. I mean, think of our colleagues. Both you and I have shared this, you know, people who were parenting whilst trying to figure out how to work full-time, keep their children watered and fed, entertained and educated. I I mean, amazing. Um, And so we didn't have any of that. So we were quite lucky in that sense to, that we could just focus on our, each other and our work and because we had spent so much time apart I'm pretty sure we've now caught up on all the hours that we've spent Um, and we did all the other things that everybody else did you know we made sure we kept connected with our family and friends and I think one of the nice things for us is because everyone leads such busy lives and different time zones, it was also an opportunity to catch up with those friends who live in different time zones because we were all at home. So we have almost for 2020 in the sense of you know um, I, I really see there's a hidden blessing in 2020 as you just mentioned we're normally so busy you know and uh, busy with the work you know, especially when in your 30s and 40s a lot of people striving you know career success and home and the family and but suddenly because of COVID, the whole world is put on a pause. And most of us, if we're office workers, luckily we have the technology as well to enable us to work from home and yeah. Zoom meetings. Some people, but you know, I, I I understand some of us felt Zoomed out all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then that being said, I felt like I'm actually quite connected with a lot of friends and um, with family as well. There is, a, I mean, I guess for, um, people who are living alone it can be quite challenging that loneliness so to stay connected is a great way to feel uh, empower yourself not to feel too sad or blue you know it's a, it's an important practice as well and I also found the per- I'm not quite sure if you you uh, you see this way as well in living in Switzerland Geneva in Australia you know, I realized the news can be a quite um, damaging sometimes actually even when I was in China so what I practiced um, especially in the midst of the um, second wave in Melbourne was that to have information hygiene 
So I stopped watching news uh, only because I, I, well, I will stay informed, but I also am a slightly anxious type, you know, in the context of pandemic. So I notice if I watch too much news, I get too caught up in the, you know, um, the confirmed cases and everything. So I decided I'll just make sure I read news in the morning. So, okay, I know what's happening, stay informed, but then I'll be hygienic from an informational perspective, news perspective. That helps me, yeah. Such a such great advice, Elva. Like I was very much the same. I think in the beginning I was sort of dictated by it all, yeah, as it was um, sort of happening in Europe. And then I realised also, I mean, I was, um, you know, whether it was work or everything around us and even our conversations, we were just everything was about COVID-19, COVID-19. So it was, yeah, it just away and we need to think about what we can use I mean yeah I think we we started to practice that too although I think for me it also extended to like what I read on a daily basis you know I I remember I picked up a, a book which was um and a bit it was a book that I'd been meaning to read for such a long time and I thought right you know um whenever I do get some free time I will finally start on this book and it's the it's it's a Steve Pink, Stephen Pinker's book, Better Angels. Um, oh my goodness, I've just forgotten the title. Um, <laughs> Better Angels of Our Nature, and I think the whole idea is, um, you know, the human race um, as a whole has actually become less violent. And so I thought, well, what a wonderful, you know, um, theory. And so, of course, I thought maybe that's actually a hopeful message. But in order to, um, you know, uh, illustrate his case or argue with like forensically details how violent we were, <laughs> and it was just, it was just, it was too much. And I thought, no, not pandemic reading material. Yeah. <laughs> You need a more light-hearted stuff. I need a light-hearted yeah. I, mean, I should have been watching reality TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's true. You know, I think I think with Beishi, I found in addition to the meditation practice, I maintain personally um, the information hygiene. But I, I imagine for you it will be hard only because you work in um, WHO. You know, uh, I guess most of the work you guys do will be relating to this pandemic in one form or you know another so for you you know you might need to be more diligent to separate yourself from your work and your personal life and in terms of your personal well-being but for yeah. me the thing is that positivity you know and I start looking for things funny and humor and I also have my laughter practice and uh, so to combine all these together to balance out the peace and the calmness created by meditation but also that sense of joy and humor created by laughter I guess these, these are all important elements to maintain a good uh, mental health emotional health overall no absolutely lovely things actually that you, that happened during the lockdown and this was probably my favorite time of the day um, was 9 p.m and I don't know where it started but at night one day at 9 p.m um, all of Geneva came out onto their balconies 
and started clapping for you know frontline workers oh and that's beautiful and for whatever reason it continued every day until the lockdown measures were rolled back so every day at 9 p.m we would sing see our neighbors from across the way we'd see the neighbors i mean we live in an apartment block so below and above and we would come out and we would clap and it was just you know it was a, a little bit of a hopeful um human connection yeah. one um, at least once a day so I, that was yeah, i used to love that oh i i saw that video actually i think um, um for other cities like in, in italy and in new york it brings tears to like you know it's so heartfelt and a lot of compassion and uh, it demonstrated the heights of humanity as a connected uh, you know unity you know and it's beautiful and i think you posted something either on your instagram or on facebook because i remember seeing that and i thought to myself that was beautiful it was yeah. beautiful yeah and it's so heartfelt yeah so yeah. going back to that i think i can really see that hopeful actually you mentioned that we're hopeful i felt each section of the story we shared was that linkage you know even with your experience the first time around in geneva but then somehow the second time you know it worked out and it worked out much better than expected so do not lose hope if anyone's listening and wanted to go to geneva to have an international career just be persistent <laughs> and then the second time you know even with the experiences of 2020 um that theme of hopefulness is kind of like a thread for you in your case so yeah. i may ask what is your biggest learning for 2020 um oh it's a good question look i think for me it reaffirmed that we need to look after our neighbor and what i mean by that is that we need to like look after each other that i mean if you think about all of these sort of lockdown measures and things it's not really aimed at us in terms of you know protecting the young fit and healthy it's the most vulnerable people um and and i mean yes there was you know of course like the sort of hysteria around the you know the toilet paper and all of those sorts of things but you do also see you know, like the sort of the balcony um the clapping on the balcony that i told you about um there was these wonderful times where you know it brought out people cooking for the healthcare workers volunteering to help your elderly neighbors and all of those sorts of things um and bringing that sort of sense of community and i think uh you know whether it's sort of immediately looking after your neighbor but also looking after your community your family your friends and um, sort of at, even at a global level I mean, some of the things you know the objective being to look after the and all those sorts of things the initiatives that have happened on a global level I mean despite the headlines in the media there is been some amazing things that have happened and it's been we've been you know fortunate to see that in our work um we see you know incredibly dedicated frontline workers but also people who work in other capacities you know policy and otherwise um and the strides like the strides in sort of scientific you know advances 
with respect to finding, you know, therapeutics and diagnostics. I mean, it's happened at record speeds. That's right. Yeah. And then all of them, objectively, it's it's really it's about looking after each other um, so we can all get through this. Yeah. Um, well, it's really an I I see is about that unity, and I think although you know, like the yin and the yang in the Chinese philosophy, we are in. A time which is so um, um, unimaginable. Um, some people say there's a lot of chaos, but as you just beautifully illustrated, right? In this almost like a darkness in the shadow, there's so much light there. It's about that choice, which direction we turn to, you know. And uh, if we wanted to see the light, see the unity, see the good, see the compassion, we can find them, even in the darkest space, you know. And it depends about where we wanted to look for it. Absolutely. And I think in this, it feels like this year has been doom and gloom and for a lot of people it has unfortunately been that. Um, it's been really tough on lots of people. Um, but, you know, I'm of course, it helps that I'm married to the eternal optimist. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> I, hear that, um, I, I understand. <laughs> It somehow highlights, as you mentioned before, you said the control. Actually, I wanted to come back to that point. More personally, you said, you know, 2020 also taught about this notion of control. Is that another lesson you think, you know, um, at a more personal level, you felt we just have to surrender? Oh, my goodness. Yes. And that couldn't be more highlighted. <laughs> I... Um became uh so i'm i'm pregnant congratulations <laughs> so it's a culver culver baby <laughs> culverly made i mean nothing reaffirms the notion to sort of go with the flow and you can't control what's happening to you um then you know when you fall pregnant because yeah once that morning sickness symptoms strike you realize it's not about you anymore <laughs> you can't any of the stuff that's happening you can only manage your you know symptoms and you can manage your mind and how you sort of deal with it <laughs> um so yes it's absolutely um that's uh, oh, that's a challenging even without the COVID situation like um it's challenging not challenging actually it is a a, a huge transformational period for a woman to go through pregnancy in any event you know and now you're going through this in 2020 but on the flip side i guess it's it's a maybe that's the best year because 2020 is already so unpredictable so we already have to let go and then do you find this easier because um, um it was already the theme kind of a set for 2020 surrendering you just have to go a little bit further than other people like me <laughs> I, no, I think I sort of had to take a back. It took me a little bit by surprise in some ways because, I mean, like I said before, because we were in the situation we were, we were living in Switzerland, being employed um, and just having each other in a comfortable space, you know, for the most part, we managed really well. Um, we had a team and all of those sorts of things. So, um it was we were able to adapt fairly quickly, so it wasn't such a huge decision for us as it may have been for other people. Um, but then, um, 
yeah I again when I found out pregnant and then you know it was in in the summer so the cases here weren't too bad but as the cases were rising and we were thinking about how to socialize with people um, and all of those sorts of things my desire to control my surroundings became much more like I guess acute um I that's, I, yeah I I, I, that's and I spoke with a number of girlfriends who you know um are also pregnant and um we I think because it's a time pregnancy and we don't know what to expect we both sort of um in sharing our experiences so far have um all said you know COVID 19s added in that because yeah. there's no hard or fast there's um, very little known about um, the effects of COVID-19 for pregnancy and, and the unborn child and so you're, you are naturally protective um, um, so yeah I, I think um, that desire to control the situation definitely I felt it really acutely in the early stages yeah um, I guess from a neural um, chemistry perspective um, um, it is true action when you're pregnant of course you know uh, it makes perfect sense the um, biology changes you know and you carry a little human being in your body the hormone changes but also your brain and neural chemistry changes so the way how we think and our alertness and our emotional regulation cognitive regulation will be changed as well and um, so it will be something fascinating to go through but then in a time of pandemic um, I, I guess in a way you know the stress response might be activated as well even a simple trip to the hospital um um, I don't know how it's managed in Geneva, but here in Australia, I guess in the second wave, it was very uh, controlled. I think in the past, you can bring your partners to the hospital, but during the height of the pandemic, the moms have to go along. So that adds a bit more very practical, in the very practical sense, a lot more anxiety to the pregnant moms, in, in at least in Victoria. That's my understanding, yeah. I mean, here actually, so far, We've been able to go to appointments together, but um, as you know, the situation's quickly changing as we're heading into winter. Um, you know, the the epidemiological situation in Geneva and surrounds is not um, not far from great. Um, it's actually quite concerning. So they may start reimposing some of those sort of res re restrictions. And gosh, like it is such an emotional time. And I think um, the thing, if I struggled with anything, um, is the distance from family and friends. Um, I think, you know, living far away, I mean, you know a lot of Australians have this expat dream and it's exciting and it's fun and all of those sorts of things but we always sort of counted on being able to go back home if we absolutely needed to in 30 hours you know we could jump yeah. on the yes you have to spend all your money but you could get to your family and friends if you absolutely needed to yeah. that's no longer the case for us and I think you know 
I mean, I would love to, you know, when I was feeling low and anxious during my first pregnancy, um, sorry, my first trimester, I would have loved a cuddle from my mum. Yeah. I craved that, I think, um, that interaction. So I think that's what I've struggled with the most. And we also don't know when we would see our families again. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I find that hard, um, and I'm finding that hard. Um, so, um, again, I think in some sense you acutely feel it when you're going through these um, and such an intense change um, as well, and emotionally and physically and all of those things. <laughs> you, you crave for that um, intimate support network. Um, and so, yeah, you've, you've yeah, heard do you get really check-ins from your mom, your parents, and uh, uh, your husband's parents since now? You've told, I guess, you've told them the family about the pregnancy. Yeah, I mean that's the best bit, isn't it? Like breaking the news your um, parents, because of course, parents don't live for you; they live for your future. You know. <laughs> But if there's a one thing, you know, you want our listeners to take away from your personal journey, what would that be, Dash? Oh, that's a great question, Alva. Um, I think um, there have been occasions where I had to tell myself I need to be kind to myself. Um, you know, I... I'm sure you can relate to the self where I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, you know, to deliver at work or um, to be in a certain, way, a certain way, whatever the case may be. And I just think sometimes when I am being so harsh on myself and I'm, maybe I'm struggling a little bit, maybe I was struggling because I was feeling ill and I wasn't quite performing, I would think, well, you know, only after the fact that going through it what would I say friend pulled me up and they, they said they relayed that experience to me I would be so much more understanding and kinder to myself kinder to them yeah um, and That's so goodness. I had to pull myself up a few times on that and if I can add another thing um certainly because you know we, we sort of talked about legal careers um is you know, you sort of touched on, did you expect to be where you are right now in my life? And um, you know, the answer was really a bit of a um, hesitant no. For, um, and I was, when I started working here, I said to my husband, you know, all of my, my career hasn't, has been so far from linear. It's been twists and turns and, jumping from one thing to another as well and they've all been interesting um and at sometimes I may have um looked at my friends who's had a such a linear progression they know what to do next and been a little bit sort of not quite envious but thinking maybe I should have done that too um but you know there's that commencement speech by um, um oh my goodness I've forgotten his name it's, it's, it's baby brain over it's already happening 
You mean professor, which is the professor? Uh, no, it's only the guy who discovered, um, sorry, who's at Apple. Uh, Steve Jobs, I'm sorry. Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> only little old Steve Jobs, but I, I do remember his commencement speech, or at least one part of it, which was, you know, once it's all happened, you can not connect the dots of why things have happened. Um, and thinking about what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, uh, I know I couldn't have been, I can't have, I couldn't have achieved where I, where I am right now, my current role, if I hadn't had all of those experiences. Like the commercial experience is integral, integral. Like my, the, the fact that I've had experience practicing in a domestic jurisdiction in a commercial sector is integral to um, what I do now. The fact that I have um, an LLM is integral to, in international law is integral to what I do now. And, you know, it's taken, like I said before, twists and turns to, to get here, but it all kind of makes sense now. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. because yeah, I think people will put themselves like me, um, hoping that it'll be a sort of a linear progression. Um, but often, you know, life is not like that. No, life is definitely not linear as we know. I just want to add one point. I just remembered when you talk about self-kindness and not feeling good enough. Dash, you were top of our class when we graduated, you know. Oh, I remember clearly when we were studying the, you know, the Master's in International Economic Law. And so you were smart, you were always very smart, you were always so helpful. But I I think that's the thing. Sometimes we, no matter how we treat others, you know, it's really how we treat ourselves is something um, how we feel within, you know. And sometimes it's so hidden as well. People can't see that side of ourselves. They might think, oh, you look very confident, Dash but within yourself there's that part of you can be very critical and I definitely can relate to that so in the practice I think when it comes down to how we um, cultivate a sense of kindness is first and foremost to ourselves then we can be really you know truly empathetic to others you know, at a completely different level as well yeah so thank you so much for sharing with me your journey Dash thank you honor and and a treat i mean it's always a treat chatting with you i feel like it's, i mean whenever i speak to you it's like a bit of a you know a joyous counseling session i feel like <laughs> myself, I, I leave feeling like i'm the best person. Uh, maybe, maybe the third lesson for me is i need to chat to elva more this <laughs> I definitely would love to have you to chat again next year when the baby is born. So I'm sure there's more learning and lessons we can discuss next year. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Legal Mind Unwired. I hope you enjoy and if you feel resonate with this episode or our podcast, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Peace Lab 2020. I hope to see you next time. Thank you and take care.